Welcome back to Poor Life Decision. I'm Chris. I'm Doyen. And we are so happy to be back here once again, another week. <laughs> Pouring our decisions away. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going for you, Doyen? Uh, it's pretty good. Um, I would like to first share what I'm drinking because I'm, yes. I'm really excited about it. So, you know, it is holiday season, which means there's like gift packs of alcohol. who gets excited about gift packs of alcohol we do (laughs) yeah it's kind of like when you want to go buy your makeup and you can get like a gift pack because it's the holidays but anyways um, so i bought like a little trio gift pack a saint george gin so it's basically three like mini bottles um there's still there's still a decent amount i want to say like maybe 10 ounces of each no it says 200 milliliters whatever that is um of each so they're small bottles but they're like enough to get a try and decide which flavor i want so today i am drinking their botanical or botanivore gin and so what that is is it has like 19 different botanicals and so Uh it's a lot 1900 19 one nine (laughs) <laughs> oh, I thought, you, I thought you said 1900. I'm like, damn, no, that's, that's a lot, a lot of, of botanicals. <laughs> so it's like, um, it's not really much of a sweet gin if you think about botanicals. So it has like cardamom, cilantro, cinnamon, coriander, citra hops, lemon peel. So it's kind of like, you know, more like a savory gin if you think about it. And hmm. so, of course, uh, oh, it had star anise too. But, of course, I'm just drinking it with tonic because I feel like tonic just helps to, like, bring out the flavor and just really keep me in tune with, like, what's actually going on in the gin. <laughs> hmm. A savory gin. <laughs> so, I like what are the you sound drinking? of that. <laughs> well, um, I have a bit of a raspy voice throat thing happening. So, tonight, I am drinking peppermint tea with um a little honey and jack daniels honey (laughs) (laughs) so you know i like to um make sure that i'm taking care of myself while staying on brand (laughs) good deal i appreciate you for even showing up because i'd be like i'm sick (laughs) podcast is canceled talk to you later (laughs) (laughs) i actually feel okay yeah it's just i've just got you know throat crud so We're just going to clear it out so that I can sound decent. Um, How was your weekend? How's your week been? It was fun. I um, went to one of my friend's weddings in Atlanta, and it was just, like, a beautiful black-ass affair. So, like, what we ate was, like, legit. So it was um, greens, um, red beans, rice. Um, You had a full dinner. Yeah, like, rolls, um turkey like mashed potatoes mashed sweet potatoes it was just such a beautiful black 
They you had know, a and budget. Like, and her grandmother cooks. <laughs> so mm. Her grandmother cooked the beans. And I realized I've never really had black people beans before. And I was like, oh. <laughs> like, what, kind of, what kind of beans have you been having all this time? I don't know, maybe canned beans. I don't know. It just wasn't that. <laughs> but it, like, I have had an awakening, like a, a blow awakening, if you will. And I'm just yes, like, oh, yes. this is so amazing. <laughs> Now I know what y'all are talking about when you talk about red beans and rice, but it was delicious and it was just a great event. So full of love. And hey. I'm just super excited to kind of add on a sister-in-law and, you know, party with my friends. Hey, fun. I saw some of the pics. You looked absolutely cute. I was so excited that I fit into that dress. <laughs> <laughs> Both the dresses looked great. The The black dress from the wedding looked great as well. I thank you. So yeah. Oh, and I caught the bouquet. But let me tell you how I caught the bouquet. <laughs> all, so first, the ladies, all the single ladies. <laughs> I text the bride ahead of time and I was like, I'm catching your bouquet. Oh no. Oh, and no. she was like, okay, girl. So what happened was she went to toss it. I'm standing like right behind her. I'm like, don't toss it too hard. And then her sister is standing behind me, blocking all the other girls. <laughs> So I guess he catches the bouquet. Me. Hey, <laughs> that's what I happens think, when your bestie gets married. <laughs> I think that this makes the bouquet catch null and void. Like um, you, you, um, you manipulated the the situation. Um, I still caught it because it could have yeah. like fell on the floor. Because I can't you catch. You caught it, but you caught it because you set up the perfect circumstance. And oh, okay. <laughs> Listen, one, one of my grandmother's favorite things to say always is, "Well, faith without works is dead." So there you go. You put in your work. <laughs> well, I had a pretty good weekend. Um, you know, left to my own devices, I will stay in the house under the covers all weekend. But. <laughs> my cousins rolled through and we had a good old time just hanging out and eating and drinking and doing other stuff I'm not going to say on the pod. So it just makes life a little bit easier. So everything was all all good. All good. That's good. So um, I did want to talk about, I actually have something for my This Moment in Blackness. And it is so hilarious to me. Uh-oh. <laughs> so I watched Keep with Halle Berry um, with my line sister in Atlanta. Um, so, like, I already knew this was going to be a lot because Halle Berry had the frazzled wig on. The curly like, wig. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I checked out, like, the. well, I didn't watch the full trailer, but I just went to the trailer once you mentioned it. I saw that curly wig and I was like, mm mm, it's on. You already knew she was going to be frazzled the whole movie. So it's basically a story of her like taking care of her foster children. And then she has this weird drunk neighbor across the street. And it's kind of around the time, right around like the Rodney King situation where the police officers were in court. And so just like what was happening in the neighborhood around them. And so I'm not going to say too much because y'all have to watch it. But what cracks me up is like, it's just this black movie where a lot of weird shit happens. 
And I got through it and I was like, oh, I like that movie. I want to watch it again. <laughs> so was this a straight to Netflix movie? I feel like it was, but okay. it's just so funny because it was like, there's just so many things. I was like, what? And then at the end, I was like, oh, that's a good movie. I like that. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Netflix, me. <laughs> Netflix is known for a good straight to Netflix black ass movie. I just um with Hallie, I thought, well, wait a minute, is this something that maybe was a I mean, it had money Netflix? behind it, but I, I want to say it was a Netflix original. Like well, it was a know, straight to Netflix. I heard that they are putting more money behind their original movies because mm-hmm. you know Disney is pulling everything from Netflix. Yeah, it was have their own platform. So I've heard that they are going to start putting more money on a bigger budget towards their Netflix original movies more so because, you know, the the concentration all along has been the series, different series that they offer. So, yeah. I can't wait for y'all to watch it. Oh, and it was like a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes, but also Rotten Tomatoes, the people who reviewed on there don't look a lot like us, so they don't know how to like hang on for all the turns take this moment and please explain to me how i'm supposed to interpret rotten tomatoes because okay i feel like it's good for white movies okay but do i want it to have a lot of tomatoes or a few the percentage is supposed to be high so um rotten tomatoes doesn't rotten mean bad girl don't you're overthinking it oh i'm sorry (laughs) <laughs> I've always been so confused by the Rotten Tomatoes rating because I'm like, your well, percent is bad. Oh, oh. okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, it was a really good movie, and we are going to watch it because I want to. Also, there's a black Netflix original movie that we're also going to watch. Uh oh, uh oh. Don't <laughs> really. Doyen, along with Favorite Human, they've really sucked me into watching bad movies. <laughs> like, I believe you when you say this one is good, but I do not have that love for low-budget movies that you all do. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I love I, it. Especially if I, it's, I, like, two rooms. Like, the whole movie is in two <laughs> rooms. I like jackpot. I'm gonna love that one. <laughs> but, at the end, I always enjoy, but I probably just enjoy the experience of doing it with y'all more than anything else because I'm usually watching the whole movie with this look on my face like, the fuck? <laughs> Am I supposed to believe this? Um, by the way, as a side, uh, Black Panther is a 97% on, <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's a whole different okay. one. Okay. But um, yeah, this movie, it was a lot like the movies that you had previously exposed me to. So I understand why it's a 6% and it's corny in some places, but it's still overall at the end of the day, it ends up okay. <laughs> I look forward to it. Cool. So we're going to go ahead and go to our um, current event section. Mm. And so the first current event literally when i read the article i was like this is a diary of a mad black woman I'm pretty <laughs> sure this has happened already tyler perry came up with it but <laughs> minus the the dark-skinned person getting aids because you know that's what tyler perry likes to do and all i don't movies. think anybody got aids in the diary of a mad black woman um <laughs> uh... I'm pretty sure that was that other one where she cheated. But anyways, um, 
in several of his where they've cheated. They always end up that way. Okay. Well, so, um, Miss Kiki. Mm. Oh, so basically what happened was she was like pregnant with her eighth kid and her husband was like, I'm believing you. And so I'm pretty sure she was very outward when it happened. And then he got into some weird wreck where he was like in a coma for, I think, like two months. And she was still legally his wife. So she picked up and moved to Memphis, Tennessee, which like uh, moving to Memphis, Tennessee is like a big feat in my mind. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it's a lot quieter, especially if you've lived in a bigger city. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So she moved to be by his side because she was legally his wife. And he woke up and got better and was like, I'm still leaving you. <laughs> and then so she um, met her or rekindled her relationship with like her very first boyfriend. And now she's married. But she <sighs> made a post about it. And she mentioned the mistress. And, of course, Tamar ain't got nothing to do. So she's like, oh, give me that girl at. We go get her. Somehow, her at comes to light. And if you go look at her Instagram, it's just people dragging her on every picture. There's one picture she's like, oh, I think she's like a singer or something. She's like, oh, my grandma would be proud of me. And somebody's like, your grandma ain't going to be proud of you because you're a hussy. And I'm like, what? (laughs) How you call this girl a hussy? (laughs) She she was a contestant on American Idol. And, um, yeah, I saw that. First of all, Tamar needed my home business. <laughs> Tamar everything, ain't got no business. <laughs> everything she said, like they were just coming at her for everything. Like she made a post about uh, a Christmas special, I think that she's singing in, and then someone made the comment, "Just remember how you get them is how you lose them." And I'm like, guys, y'all don't like, know anything about this situation. They are like. And it's so, funny because now there's like articles and guys like, oh, she's totally lying. That's not how it came out. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I saw, so one thing I do right before we get ready to record is I just kind of um, skim through some blogs just to see if anything special pops up. And I saw where um, Kiki's ex-husband, Michael, where he came um forward and he just made a few statements or whatever but (laughs) he said that he did not want her there when he was in a coma and he said that when he first how did he know what he wanted when he was in a coma (laughs) what he said when the accident first took place he was um in a situation where he could not you know talk or walk or anything like that but he could write and he said he wrote her a note letting her know that because they had some kind of I guess it's not a I guess it's not a restraining order but they had some kind of agreement where they would not be around each other I don't I don't know but anyway he was like keep that same energy I don't want you here we are separated we're getting divorced I don't want you here the children will visit me via my mother and so I you know I feel like I still feel how I feel as far as 
the initial shock when she told us that he was leaving her while she had a sick child and she was pregnant and all that. You know, I still feel how I feel about that. But just, did you watch R&B Divas? No. Like, have have you seen Kiki in action? Mm, No. She's she's a lot. And so I I just, I don't know. I, I am not inclined to pick one side or the other with this just because Kiki's a lot. And there are some things that he he has said that I kind of believe. I don't cut him any slack, though, because it's like Kiki has always been like this. So you make the choice to you be there. You her eight times at least. <laughs> and, well, all those children aren't his. All those children aren't his. Because this is how her husband, which brings me back to the point, what in the hell am I doing wrong? If Kiki can, you know, she stabbed her first husband. She, if she can do all of these things and be off her rocker, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> I mean, she turned around and got a new husband like lickety split. Crazy. The one thing I didn't like about her. Um, her new husband has prison arms. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what that is. When people like have a lot of time to work out, e.g., they're in prison and their arms get real, real big. Oh God! Okay. <laughs> what I did not like <laughs> about this little interview with TMZ or whatever mm-hmm. is how she mocked um, her husband's new girlfriend. I could be reading a lot into this. I really mm-hmm. could. I'm just going to say that up front, but I didn't like her calling that girl a bat at all. I felt, I felt there was a little colorism to that. That's how I feel. I could be very wrong, but you know, I didn't like her calling that girl that, but I just thought, look at Kiki damn Wyatt. Yeah, she's messy. I mean, I really am not caping for anybody in that situation. I was just cackling because that was some daytime entertainment. Oh, it is very entertaining. (laughs) It is very entertaining. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure. mm, Yeah. I wish that show still came on. (laughs) Okay, I'm done talking about them. So, um, the next part... I kind of, it's just something that I kind of just want to bring awareness to. So everybody knows that California is dealing with um, just horrible wildfires every year. Every year they get worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And so like, I remember last year I heard about this. And then this year, again, it's kind of a whisper. People are like, hey, do you know about this? And most people don't. But um, basically it's a notion that like, Alongside these career firefighters, there are inmate firefighters um, that basically get paid um, on average about $2 a day and a whopping total of a dollar per hour. Furthermore, they get paid with credit. Mm-hmm. And so um, if you look at like the definition of a slave, uh, one of the definitions is that a person who works very hard without proper remuneration or appreciation, and then um, somebody who's excessively dependent upon or controlled by something. And so when you think about these guys, like literally like they're fighting 
alongside these people, these career firefighters who get insurance, all these other things, they're fighting for close to nothing. So they don't even get that proper remuneration. Um, They're working extremely hard. So they will work in like 24 hour shifts. And then um, in a way, the program is like contributing to mass incarceration as well, because it's like, well, let's go arrest some more able-bodied you know, people because, hey, we could get them to help us fight for less. And right. so it just, it just breaks my heart that not only all of this happens, but if they were to get out of jail, they're not eligible to be firefighters because they yeah. have a prison record. So even so, if they're doing it for the love of fighting fires, they can't even do it outside of jail. So my first introduction to this system was back when Keisha Cole had her first reality show, The Way mm-hmm. It Is. And when we were first introduced to her mother, her mother was locked up and she was at one of these fire camps where they teach you how to fight fires. And they were telling us watching the show that oh this is a great program because it teaches you all these skills and the main thing that I at the time was impressed by was once they leave they do have those qualifications to become firefighters and they can enter the workforce I didn't realize that that wasn't necessarily true until now until this um recent these recent fires and these articles are coming out about it and the, the thing is for California and Mississippi, it's the same to become a firefighter. You have to be able to be an EMT and you can't get your EMT license. The EMT, for those of you who may not know, is the person who drives the ambulance and who works on the ambulance and all that stuff. Your first your emergency responders. And mm-hmm. so I had no idea that that actually, you know, it's one of those truths that like, yeah, it's true, but it's not true. Yeah. Like, sure, you have you can become a firefighter, but according to California, you have to be an EMT and you are not eligible to be an EMT. So that really sucks. And then um, they're also we're talking about for California, like even juveniles can do it. So like you can uh-huh. be as young as 16 and it just it really grosses me out because like it does. so much of the narrative is around people who are losing their home. But it's just like this is another thing where. You know, every, well, a lot of people have seen 13 by Ava DuVernay, but literally um, the 13th Amendment, while it gave us freedom from slavery, it also gave them a way to change the face of slavery. So, um, yeah, it just really breaks my heart that that's a thing that's happening and nobody, of course, especially with our 24-hour news cycle, nobody can even grasp on that to, like, make true change. Yeah. Um, next up, (laughs) this is really quick. I don't even really want to talk about this, but everybody else is. But, um, so Jill Scott, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jill Scott was performing somewhere. I don't even know where, but she was basically pantomiming, pantomiming, um, fellatio. Yes. And all of a sudden, yeah, in action. And all of a sudden, everybody was just like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, first of all, y'all are so immature. <laughs> like, <laughs> But then also, I'm just like, 
have y'all never heard Jill Scott? Yes. She's forever been about that life. Like Crown Royal is just like a song is so filthy. And so many other songs she writes, they're super filthy. And I'm just like, so y'all just never noticed that she's been about that life forever? That's the person <laughs> too was like, so these are clearly people who don't really listen to Jill. That's like when people get surprised all of a sudden when they're some Beyonce songs where she's cursing and the songs like, have you never, have you not kept up with Beyonce? Have you never seen a show or anything like that? Like she's always been about that life. So yeah, that's how I felt when people started going on and on about Jill. Jill is that girl. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny. Cause um, there's one of my Facebook followers. that's was like, Ooh, can I get a ticket to Jill Scott? I'm like, you ain't never been about no thick black woman. Go away. <laughs> Go sit down. <laughs> you weren't worried about us before. Don't be don't worried about us now. <laughs> but um, I want y'all to go and listen to whether or not you're a Hamilton fan. She had a song called Say Yes to This um, in the Hamilton mixtape. So basically she was singing as Maria Reynolds, who was Hamilton's um, mistress for like a year. And when I listened to Hamilton, I was like, oh my gosh, how could he do that? How could he cheat on his wife? But then when I listened to Hamilton mixtape and I listened to her, I was like, oh shit, I know how he could have cheated on his wife. Because <laughs> she was just so sensual about it. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, he had to. Like, <laughs> How could he pass that up? <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, y'all are just super funny because it's just, y'all are so dramatic. Um, especially Twitter people. I'm just like, she's been about that life. Go listen to her music. Um, this topic that um uh, it kind of came as a scare for us last week. So oh, God. Um, our notorious RPG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh fell at work <laughs> and like it's not funny, but she fell at work and she broke three ribs and um if you're a Democrat or any kind of progressive human, you're like, you like, uh, like in my group messages, um, Chris and favorite human were like, listen, I pray for her like daily. Like, <laughs> I mean, we just gotta make sure she holds on. Because <laughs> if Trump, if Trump elects three Supreme Court people, our rights are gone. Like he's, he's gone. gonna bypass the 13th amendment <laughs> women's rights are gone like we it is the um handmaid's tale coming for us real fast quick and yeah yes. so um luckily today they were reporting that she's heading back to work and she's going back to her gym soon and her trainer's like yeah we probably won't put her on elliptical but maybe we'll like you know get her to stretch and i love that she is um so dedicated to the gym even though i am not <laughs> so cute when she's working out it's yeah. so cute but if I, I did that <laughs> y'all be like get out of jail <laughs> I was just so like I I almost went into a spiral when I got that news Yeah, and, and it happened on the tail end like of a bunch of other bad things that had happened that week. yeah like it happened right. really soon after the midterm right and yeah. so it was like you know God, what what message? What are you trying to teach me? Am right. I a slow learner? Like let's 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 not do this. <laughs> right. So I'm just glad to know that 
that she's doing. She is on the mend. She has made some appearances at work and she's getting ready to come back full time. And she's just amazing. And without her, we would be so, I mean, we do have uh, Sotomaya, but. But they're already, yeah, their numbers are already. Right. The, The numbers are low and we need Ruth Bader. We need her. We need her. Um, and <laughs> after talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is a very um, uplifting woman, of course, you know, we like to bring you up and down. And so <laughs> King of Diamonds in Miami <laughs> just got shut down. <laughs> I am personally devastated. I've never been to King of Diamonds and I really wanted to go. And so yeah. I'm just personally devastated. I think, because I think uh, Black China was from there. I want to see Josephine was from there. Hmm. I think uh, she was from maybe. Miami. Maybe. I mean, she was in Miami. I don't know which club she was uh, um, working at, but maybe. Yeah. I mean, there's still other King of Diamonds to visit, but it's just like, like it's stripping getting that bad that funny. y'all can't pay y'all bills. <laughs> I don't understand. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Like, there's no way that they couldn't pay their bills. Because when you think about how much money they make versus how much they actually pay those girls, those girls work so hard because they're working for tips. Like, the like- base salary in most of those places is either non-existent or it's kind of like, you know, like maybe what a waitress would make. It, I, so I can't believe that they're not paying. They didn't have the money to pay their bills. Like, what's really good? I'm just wondering, like, are millennials killing the stripping industry as well? Because I'm sick of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Stop killing stuff. Right? Y'all broke. Right. Sick of That's y'all. Why. I have to save up for a strip club day. But anyways, <laughs> you have to put it in a budget, like a line item. Okay, I'm going to strip club this week. So I got. I mean, <laughs> and one of the other things that they were closed for was about like, human safety or something like that, life safety and fire code violations, and that just made me think about um, was Tip Drill at King of Diamonds when she had her accident? Do you know? Girl, you know who Tip Drill is? Do you remember the accident? Okay. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about the Nelly song. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, do you do you do you know the Nicki Minaj "Bees in the Trap" song? You know that video. Mm-hmm. Tip Drill is the fair-skinned, uh, blonde-haired girl that's oh, girl, I don't remember in that, that in that video. Ooh, stop lying to you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she had this stunt that she would do if if. So if you guys have never been to King of Diamonds, one thing you can do is look at, look it up on YouTube, uh, as I have before in the past. What is so amazing about these particular dancers or strippers or whatever you want to call them, they are freaking acrobats. And v- of course, I'm watching on YouTube, so there's not going to be much nudity anyway. But I have I've I don't think I've ever seen one of them get naked because they don't have to because what they're doing is so dynamic so tip drill had this thing that she was known for where she you know gets all the way up to the top of the pole and then she does like this death drop kind of deal oh and splits well she she comes down on her head but she stops 
abruptly, like right before she gets to the bottom. Oh, that sounds and, scary. Well, it, it did end up being scary because one night she did not stop in time. And if I'm not mistaken, she broke her neck or her back. Or she, it was a serious deal. Like, we didn't think she was going to make it. I mean, mm. she, she had a full recovery. She is rapping now. And I mean, I hadn't heard him use it. Hashtag <laughs> prayers for <laughs> but you know, I th- that was I. I am surprised they were able to stay open after that. Yeah. So my thing is, you you gonna let them close you down now over a few yeah. bills that you could have paid? Mm. Yeah, that's sketchy. Yeah. But anyways, so um, I'm gonna go ahead and move on to our someone something, and so. Yes, with a black girl magic sound. Yes. (laughs) So for this week, I want to talk about um, our forever first lady, Michelle Obama. And so this week, she actually, uh, I think she released a book, Becoming. And so, of course, she's going on her press tour. And have you started um, listening or reading to the book by any chance? I have not. I've ordered it. But I also decided that I think I am going to get it on Audible as well. I ordered That's the hard copy, but is she, <laughs> is she reading it? Do you know? Yeah, she's reading it. Okay. I was actually going to say I ordered it on Audible. And so she's like talking to me. And, so- and that's why I, that's why I ordered the hard copy. That is why I also wanted it on Audible so she could talk to me. Yeah, so, yeah I super love it but basically um it's just start like i have been listening to her press and stuff like that but um i have a sermon for today if y'all give me a second <laughs> so there's two things she talks about which is her struggles with childbirth and then um counseling in her uh, marriage and how you know it, it, and the interesting thing is she was talking about how like you know a biology biological clock is true and your eggs do get older and she's like so she was 34 trying to have a child and they had to do IVF because you know because of these things and it was interesting because she was talking about like um in total like you know they were both successful people graduated from Ivy Leagues had great jobs and they still couldn't figure out how to make a baby (laughs) which you know like um it's just interesting because I think in the past, so many people have been so silent, especially women, have been so silent about their pain of not being able to conceive children. Yes. And now there's a change where people are like, yes, like, it's really hard to have a baby. Like, I've miscarried and, you know, I went through this. And I just wonder, you know, like, our mothers went through that or, you know, our aunties went through that and never were able to speak out. Yeah. Um, and then again with with their marriage, even though they were brilliant people, they still needed help figuring out how to relate to each other. And so she's like, Yeah, counseling's a great idea. And from both of those ideas, um, I literally put in my notes that our healing, especially our healing as women and as black women, comes from our truth. So I feel like the more that we talk about the issues that we have 
um, that are hidden issues that nobody has to know. But the more that we share about it, we're able to heal each other as we're able to talk about it. And that's kind of what our podcast is about is like, you know, you know what's going on with you and you feel bad about that. But realizing that like other people have that same issue, mm-hmm. they you just don't know because you don't see it because you see them at face value <laughs> until they tell you any different. But I just love that book because it's like Michelle is literally just, you know, she was she was buttoned up. She was the first lady for eight years and she, she couldn't, you know, like they, um actually Robin said on the Good Morning America, like she was like she was Miss Obama for all those years and now she's Michelle. Oh, yeah. She's just goes all the way around. <laughs> And it's just like, I think I love people. People are more endearing to me when they do show me that, like, I'm struggling with this as well. Like, she was struggling with self-confidence to be the first lady. I'm struggling with self-confidence to be little things. But, you know, like, the fact that that's so normal is just so beautiful. Yeah, I I really look forward to um, reading and listening to the book because I just want to know what it was like for her to be because they are of course celebrities now, but they weren't beforehand. So what was that like uh, being ushered into the public eye at all times, people constantly criticizing you, people, people coming for you as if you ain't the shit. Cause you are like people constantly coming for her for all sorts of things. When this lady is on top of her business, highly educated, bomb ass mom. Like she had all these things going for her and people were trying to play her. So yeah. I'm just really interested in seeing her take on that and to see how she really feels about everything that's going on now. Although I don't think that I I think that she'll share, but I don't think she'll completely share. Yeah. The real it's not like on me how who has nothing she to lose. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> she and our forever president feel about things now because they have too much class for that, and they're they're yeah. not that type. They're they're not that type. I of mean, people. she's still sticking to the when they go low, we go high thing, and I'm like, when they go low, we go medium, like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I no, what you, you told me yesterday or whatever day when I got mad at someone and you told me when they go low we go gutter so <laughs> which I like <laughs> yeah just in case if Michelle was listening I wanted to go at least say medium <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> but um overall this whole like notion of just talking about her really gives us a great segue into what we want to talk about today, yes. which is self compassion. <laughs> it's all worth it. So basically, um, so the notion of self compassion, it actually started off with this doctor called Dr. Kristen Neff. If you see an article without about self-compassion and they don't tag her, throw it away because she <laughs> like she essentially came up with this whole notion of self-compassion. So um, the definition of self-compassion, basically they talk about um, self-compassion involves acting the same way to use yourself when you're having a difficult time, fail, or notice something you don't like about yourself. 
So basically it's a notion of like, you know, like we're very likely and willing to love your friends and your family and things like that, but using that same love towards yourself. Because at the end of the day, like a lot of times, again, we see, we may see our wins, but we also see every single one of our losses. And so we are very much apt to feel like we're not enough because, because it's a comparison game. And even more so, it turns out that like self-compassion is like a necessity for women. And so um, with a recent survey by Dignity Health, and it's on an Ebony article, I'll send it um, in the episode notes, but um, 43% of women find it difficult to be kind to themselves, whereas 24% of men feel the same. So it's like, in a way... Um, as women, we're somehow taught to have a spirit of inferiority and um, just like we're just so tough with ourselves. And so, you know, this is how somebody who's never probably read an American government book is our president because he felt like this is what I want to do and I can do it compared to, you know, Hillary did you know, she was a secretary of state. She did all these other things before she felt like she could say, this is what I want to do. And then she still wasn't even able to do it. But um, also, um, again, with women, they found that self-kindness is rare. So 72% of respondents agree that it's easier to be kinder to others than to themselves. And so um, what do you think about the fact that, like, as women we have to really work extra hard at self-compassion. I totally relate. And what was so funny about the articles was like, they all kind of stated the same thing along the lines of it's so much easier, easy, easier for us to have compassion for others. Mm-hmm. And I do like, I feel with others all the time. I suffer with them all the time. Um, in a way, so I th- I kind of feel like I do not have the luxury to be kind to myself mm-hmm. as often as I should because we have to work so much harder. We have to, and along those lines of being a Black woman at that, we have to work so much harder. We have to be so much better just to even be thought of to be at the table. Forget having a seat. You know, so uh, and that's sad and that's unfortunate and I shouldn't feel that way. And I really do have to work on being more compassionate. But I I often feel like I don't have room to slip. I don't have room to make a mistake. It has to be perfect every time just so that uh, less educated, less, um, I don't know, lesser men who are Mm -hmm. in positions that are superior over me so that they think that I am worthy to be here. And so that's, you know, I agree with that whole, I agree with the sentiment wholeheartedly, but I find it very difficult to be kind to myself in that way. Yeah. And I think also when it comes to like, in addition to self-compassion, having a gender bias, I definitely feel like it has a race bias as well. And so like, 
it's already hard enough because as a woman, I feel like I should be perfect. But as a black woman, not only do I have to be perfect, but I also have to be a mule to carry all of blackness. On right. <laughs> you know, like, and so it's just like. And then you have to be nice about it while you're carrying it. Like you got to keep your tone in check. You got to keep your attitude in check. You can't get weary. You can't get frustrated. It's, it's all these things. And I, you know, I don't know much about Dr. Kristen Neff, but yeah, I, I just I mean, think she's a white woman. Well, <laughs> I can't say that <laughs> because yeah. things are so much easier said than done. Like yeah. I, it's, I don't get to. I'm sorry. But I, I am going to work towards it, but we don't get to. One thing that stuck out, um, which is something that I think we've talked about on the show before. I know I've talked to, uh, to people about this in real life, is that we're not always kind to the ones we love. You are going to treat the people who are closest to you the worst. And it's just because for me, I have to smile all day. I have to be happy all day. I have to be pleasant all day. And I have to do all these things that I don't want to do. And when I come home, sometimes you're going to get it and it's not even for you. And that's that's unfortunate and it's wrong. Like I shouldn't be that way. I shouldn't do that, but that's just how it is. Um, so I will go ahead and just move on to like the three elements of self-compassion that Dr. Neff speaks of. Uh, that kind of probably will help <laughs> with our feelings about it. So the first element is self-kindness versus self-judgment. And so they say that self-compassion entails being warm and understanding to ourselves when we suffer, fail, or feel inadequate rather than ignoring our pain, <laughs> which is a big thing with myself, or flagellating ourselves with self-criticism. And so I actually stepped back. And um, first of all, today when we're um, recording this, it's World Diabetes Day. And like I said, yeah. I've, I say it all the time, but like I've had juvenile diabetes for 19 years now. And so um, I had read an article where they were talking about how people with who studied self-compassion, did self-compassion meditations, actually saw like better control of their blood sugars so when they were talking about being warm and understanding towards ourselves a lot of times like there's a lot of shame around having a um, unsavory blood sugar especially because in the outside world everybody's mad at us about our blood sugars even though like we it's not our fault <laughs> you know like at the end of the day like Why do you feel we're trying our best and so like it's like Knowing that, hey, yeah, your blood sugar is a little bit higher than you want it to be, but it's okay. You can bring it down. You have the knowledge. You can take the insulin. You can bring it down rather than just ignoring it and be like, okay, I'm tired of diabetes. I'm just not going to do anything, you know? (laughs) And I know I do very much talk about ignoring my pain a lot because I just don't know what to do with it, but just knowing that, like... Being able to, especially in my meditations, they say, like, I'm having a tough time right now. That's okay. I'll get through it. Yeah. Just being able to say that, like, anytime, like, at work, like, when something's starting to stress you out, just, like, take a breath and say, I'm having a tough time right now. That's okay. I will get through it. So. That one is not as easy for me to do. (laughs) Yeah. 
half the time I'm just like, you know, I want to get rage and I want to get mad, but just being able to take that moment and like realize what's happening and just saying, I'm having a tough time. Yeah. That's okay. And the thing about it is like, you know me, I'm very much willing to like hop in a group text and be like, hey, y'all, I'm having a tough time and get your acceptance and your compassion. But it's like, why can't I go to myself first for that? Mm. You know? Mm. <laughs> I wish I had an organ on the sound <laughs> like it up like in church. <laughs> Listen, like I say in church, I'm talking to me while I'm talking to you. <laughs> the word. But, but uh, so the second element is common humanity versus isolation. So just realizing that like we all suffer. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just me. I'm not the only one that has this problem. It's a human thing. And so I am not a gross human because I'm dealing with this issue. So when I read this one, this was actually a chance for me to pat myself on the back. (laughs) This is actually my first tool when I am feeling um, overwhelmed or when I'm feeling anxious, when I'm feeling anything. I Mm -hmm. always start with, listen, Chris, you're not the first person that this has happened to, and you're not going to be the last. And I'll say, you know, you're not the only one feeling this. You're not the only one going through this. Others have gotten through it. You can too. And that's like one of the first things I, I do when I start feeling that way is just to remember that I'm not alone in this because sometimes (laughs) it's, I know it's weird because I do have a bad habit of isolating myself, but in that moment, Mm -hmm. it's hard to, I heard that. (laughs) (laughs) In that moment, it's hard to realize that you're isolating yourself. It's hard to realize you're the one that's doing it. And you tend to feel lonely. You tend to feel alone in that moment. And so I have to remind myself that a uh, there are, you have a plethora of people that you can reach out to that are more than happy that are, that want to be there for you. But B, you're not doing this alone. You're not doing it alone as far as your support system, and you're not doing it alone as far as globally because there are other people who deal with the very same issues every day. Yeah, it's important to know that it's just not you. It's not, and then. The last one's a little bit harder. So it's talking about mindfulness versus over-identification. And so I'll start off with the definition of mindfulness. So it basically says mindfulness is a non-judgmental, receptive mind state in which one observes thoughts and feelings as they are without trying to suppress or deny them. And so just knowing that like, hey, I'm stressed right now and it's because people are getting on my nerves and that's it. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, I don't have to yeah. dig deep into that. Yeah. I don't have to, like, I mean, later on, I can go back and be like, so why are these people getting on my nerves? Exactly. But just knowing that, like, okay, I feel this way because of this reason. Yeah. And and reckon, uh, I, I read into this also, recognizing when it's you. And I try to... I pride myself on being pretty good at recognizing when it's me. It's not that someone else is doing something to me. I am feeling these things because of something going on with me. 
Um, I'm tired of this lady reading me for filth, but um, she was like, we cannot ignore our pain and feel compassion for it at the same time. And I'm like, girl, I'm just trying to make it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and her talking about <laughs> the over-identified part mm-hmm. is the over-identification part is to me, in my mind, it's like being a drama queen. Was every little thing is just major. And yeah. I tend to do that over things that don't matter. So, mm-hmm. you know, when it's something that's like a slight minor inconvenience, mm-hmm. <laughs> I am the drama queen. Yeah. <laughs> but when it's something that's serious and that probably does require a lot of my attention, like you said, I ignore it. And I push yeah. it aside. So I thought that was weird that she knew that about me without knowing me. Yeah. I'm tired of her reading us. <laughs> but um, so uh, there is one more article that I actually got from her website that was super um, impactful, impactful. And so the name of the article was called Why Should We Stop or Why We Should Stop Chasing Self-Esteem is Start Developing Self-Compassion. And so, first of all, she starts about how, like, we were all into this whole, like, self-esteem thing, and we've been teaching it for years, and literally just made us super narcissistic. (laughs) And she talks about, uh, she kind of breaks down, like, what the main problem with having high self-esteem is, which is we have to require um, we have to feel special and above average. And so innately, it creates a comparison game. And of course, you know, we all have Instagram and that comparison game. We always going to lose. Like, I mean, we going to win half the time, but we going to lose half the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a comparison game. Like you see, oh yeah, I'm doing better than her, but she just got proposed to in Barbados. <laughs> you know, like, or exactly. like she got proposed to in Dubai and it's like, well, I'm not doing better than her anyways. <laughs> but um, it's just a notion of like, um, we we can't even exist in the middle space in our culture anymore. Like we have to be above average and we cannot just be like a normal person because that means that we are actually failing at being hmm. um, superb, you know? So Doyen, okay, don't take a deep heavy sigh with me. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually, so I didn't disagree with this article per se, but uh, maybe the tone of it, I I disagreed with. Um, just because I hate to be, I hate to sound like a broken record, but when she talks about self-esteem and when she kind of slights the importance of self-esteem, to me, I felt she was slighting it. To me, she's coming from the perspective of a white woman and not understanding how important it is to instill self-esteem in our children and for what reasons. Um, I I actually don't agree with the self-esteem being all revolved around being better than the next person because 
I have never found, I've never thought that I was better than somebody else, but my esteem Mm -hmm. has always been in check because of the way I was raised. And so I'm confident in me. I'm confident in what I can do. And I don't compare myself to other people um, on a, uh, when it comes to things that I know that I may lack in, you know what I mean? So like, I know that I may not be the prettiest person, but I'm pretty gorgeous. So, uh, you know, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm confident in that. I may not be, uh, the smartest person. I may not be the most intelligent person, but I'm a bright girl. So I'm confident in that. It's like, I, I don't do that. And then when she comes down and talks about bullies having high self-esteem, that is altogether wrong. That is not how that works at all. So, but, but I, as I say that, I don't disagree with what she's saying. It's just the tone in which she's saying it. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't put things into perspective like that. And I think that, uh, I don't know. To me, it just sends a message that I'm not so sure about. I do agree with the narcissism Um, being way up for millennials and for, uh, people in this generation. So I guess um, because self-esteem, in a way, has been something I've always, like, struggled with. Um, Not like, it's not like I don't love myself, but I feel like other people don't love me. Oh. If that makes sense. I love you. I mean, it's not like, I know, like, so I've decided, like, who I am is not, like, I'm not, like, mainstream famous. Like, I'm never going to be. But I feel like the people that love me, that's great. Like, you know, I feel like there will be people out there that love me. But what I feel about me doesn't really like, like, if somebody set out to dislike me, what I feel about me is not going to change that. (laughs) And so I've just really been super objective about that always. And so self-esteem is cool, but it's just like, I don't think, I know in this space, in this time, that's not the thing that's going to get me yes in my best space and so i agree at this moment in time i know that having compassion for myself and realizing that like yeah i mean at 30 i was supposed to do this 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 and this even the fact that um michelle was talking about struggling and having kids at 34 i'm 30 well I'm in a long-term relationship. There's no telling when we'll get married and then when will be time for me to fight, you know, start trying to have kids. Yeah. Um, I still also have to get my health in check for that as well. So I'm like thinking 33 maybe at best. But guess what? She was at 34 and had to have IVF. IVF is expensive. Very. That's not very. like... A thing that anybody can just like scroll up to their doctor and do. And so, like, it's just interesting that, like, she was talking about struggling, had kids at 34 and 36, you know, and I'm like, oh, that could be me, you know? Yeah. But, um, so I think at the end of the day, self compassion is like a factor that I can control. I can't control my acceptance with other people, but I can control accepting myself in whatever I'm doing. 
you know? Yeah, so. I agree. I agree with that. And I, like I said, I agree with most of what she said. I just don't think it has to, and she may have not meant it this way. It may have just been yeah. the way I'm reading it. But to me, she was saying, choose one over the other. And to me, they yeah. both, uh, they both deserve to be present. Like part of why I'm yeah. so high, part of why I'm so hard on myself is because of my esteem, because I know what I can do. I know what I can achieve. And I need to work on the compassion part where it's like, girl, it is okay. <laughs> I think to me, um, I mean, she does talk about it endlessly. I think she's talking about the fact that like we've overly pushed self-esteem. And yeah. now we need to start pushing self-compassion. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like in a way, self-esteem can get me so far, but then self-compassion will push me further, you know? Yeah. Um, Make you live longer. so that's longer how I kind of read the article. But I mean, we also bring like a variety of experiences uh, to everything we do, like everything we read and everything we process as humans. And so like... Um, you know, that's probably why we read it so differently. Yeah. But um, I will read one of the uh, sentences she says. So she says, self-compassion doesn't demand that we evaluate ourselves positively or that we see ourselves better than others. Mm-hmm. Rather, the positive emotions of self-compassion can kick in exactly when self-esteem falls down. And so it is a notion of like sometimes like self-esteem is not going to get us all the way, but self-compassion can like pushes further and then like i said especially with self-esteem innately it just creates all right i think she's saying the culture of self-esteem innately creates a culture of comparison and so being able to pick ourselves up when we don't feel like we match up that's where self-compassion kicks in mm-hmm. that's all so um finally she did have some tips Uh, for us to practice self-compassion. And we do want to share that with y'all because we, um, no matter where you are on the spectrum of things, I think this is a thing that we can be, um, you know, more cognizant of and think about. So um, they talk about self-compassion as a practice of goodwill, not good feelings. In other words, even though the friendly, supportive stance of self-compassion is aimed at the alleviation of suffering, we can't always control the way things are. If we use self-compassion to make our pain a good uh, practice to make our pain go away by suppressing it or fighting against it, things will likely just get worse. So just going back to the notion of like, um, realizing, hey, this really sucks. I'm really frustrated. I'm really sad. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. And I am having compassion for myself in this moment. And so, like, um, definitely they talk about, like, the self-compassion compassion break, which is, again, like, just literally what I've just said. It's just like, hey, I'm having a tough time right now. Everybody goes through this. I am having compassion for myself in this moment. Mm-hmm. You can breathe in. Breathe out. Say that to yourself. And if it didn't hit the first time, say like three, four more times. <laughs> and like, you know, just take moments to breathe. Y'all know I like to breathe. I just don't want to hold my breath for like forever. I mean, I'm going to make a comment and I decided to keep it to myself. 
I'm going to have self-compassion for myself because I don't like breathing the rest the way the rest of y'all do. <laughs> but um, just like just taking that moment. Sometimes repetition is very important. So like sometimes like there's times in the middle of the night I wake up, I'm stressed out about something like everything that is meant for me will come to me. And I'll say that to myself like five times and then try to go to sleep and, you know, just believe in what I've said to be true in my life. Right. And that kind of ties back to our mantras, but just the notion of, um, you know, having that break of self-compassion. And then um, another, like the big thing also is mindfulness. So um, I check it or, I remember one of my friends told me just to check in with myself, like during the day when I start to feel frustrated, especially when I start snacking, but um, (laughs) check in with myself and be like, Hey, how are you feeling? Like what's wrong? What's right? You know, and just knowing, just thinking. Yeah. Cause a lot of times, I mean, just in general, our brains love autopilot. (laughs) <laughs> and so the less we have to think about things and just do it you know our brain's like that's cool we like that and so like just taking us something and we're like okay and like also um on social media i see like posts and they're like hey are you clenching your teeth or your shoulders um you know clenched up and i'm like half the time i i do have like my jaw clenched yeah. or i have my shoulders all like you know tough and i'm like okay and that's let me release my shoulders and release my jaw. That's real. I mean, you know, I I suffered a couple of weeks ago from my jaw locking up and it comes from me clenching when I'm really stressed. And I don't even realize I'm doing it until my jaw locks up or I develop a bad headache. And then it's like, oh wait, I'm clenching. Don't even realize you're doing it. Um as a wrap up we just want you to give yourself some love so think about yourself um and we do love you and you love you so be kind to each other and be kind to yourself yeah love your neighbor as yourself only works if you love yourself Mm. Um, (laughs) so it's on to the next part of our pod our favorite part Buy somebody a drink. <laughs> so, Chris, um, who are you buying a drink for this week? This week, I would love to buy a drink for <clears throat> the MVP Chips and Salsa. <laughs> there is no problem that Chips and Salsa can't fix. I just, I realize how often, and then when it's a really rough week, let me get some guac with that, please. And order <laughs> I, it just makes everything okay. It makes everything better. And so it's delicious. It's delicious. <laughs> and so I had a really good friend tell me once that it's the act of dipping. <laughs> she, she said, sometimes when life is rough, I just want to dip something. <laughs> Salsa that I love, or it's the dipping, or if it's the two for one margaritas that usually take place with the chips and salsa. But at any rate, I just want to buy a round for the MVP chips and salsa. Thank you. Yay! Olay! (laughs) Olay!
I don't know. That may have been appropriation. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> who are you buying a drink for this week? In light of Stanley passing, yes, I would like to buy a drink for Blurds. Mm. And um, if you don't know, Blurds are black nerds, and um, we come in very different shapes and colors. So there's the blurbs are like comic books. Um, there's blurbs are like, you know, action movies, like Marvel movies. Uh, there's blurbs are like Harry Potter, AKA me, <laughs> Hamilton, musicals, you know, like just at the end of the day, like, because growing up, you know, mainstream blackness <laughs> was uh, a certain thing. And then anything outside of that was nerdiness. And so there is just like, especially on Twitter and things like that, there's a whole lot of, out of, of us out there. that are just super into nerdy things. Yeah. And so, oh, and I forgot for black people who love anime, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which I'm not like, I just started getting into anime and the, like the type of anime I like is super weird. It's kind of like harem anime, but um, I've tried and I just, does Steven universe count? Cause I love Steven universe, but oh. Um, <laughs> oh. I've been watching Tenchi in Tokyo and literally had to pay for like a anime subscription service to be able to watch it. But um, at the end of the day, like, it's just like, you know, it's your thing. Do what you want to do. And so whatever you're drinking, where it's a Red Bull or like a savory gin or wine, whatever it is, I'm just buying y'all a drink. And um, for us Marvel people, like literally I was watching Black Panther like Sunday night. <laughs> and so like for us Marvel people um, my heart goes out to you yeah. we love you we're all gonna make it um, hugs to everybody hugs you know uh, people were saying making these posts about Stanley, and they were like gone too soon and I was like he's in his 90s <laughs> how long do you want us to be here but well also like I feel like you know <laughs> There's a lot of emotional abuse happening right now. Like people are like, "Well, in Avengers four, there's not going to be a cameo, and they're going to be like, oh my god, I in memory of Stanley." And I'm like, "Oh, you too." It's like I, just- I barely made it through the last Avengers. Now you're going to tell me this? <laughs> I didn't. Even and then the one that. of like Stanley, like going away, like. All the people that they know snapped away, and I was just like, "Y'all, I, y'all have yes. to stop this emotional." I was piece. like, <laughs> on the bed when I saw that, I said, "No, <laughs> y'all have to stop it." Which I mean, I'm happy for him because, like, he was unfortunately um, his past few years have been like really sketchy with like the people in his life. Yeah. They're trying to take care of him, but really take his money. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just hope he's resting in paradise. Mm, me too. But so, um, so this has been another episode of Poor Life Decisions. Yay. So, and tell the people where they can reach us and how they can talk to us. Um, please talk to me on Twitter because I'd be like up at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but um, please 
follow us and chat with us on Twitter. Um, our Twitter is PLDPod. I recently was asking about skincare tips because it's winter. And I'm just ashy all the time. <laughs> so if you have any like skincare tips, I even tried Cora Huskers lotion, y'all, and it's just not working for my life. But I also wash my hands a lot. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> um, also on Instagram, we are Poor Life Decision. One decision because we're trying to change our lives in one decision at a time. Yes. Please inbox us. Please DM us. Let us know what some of your poor life decisions are, things that you want to work on, things that you are working on. Think, let us know what happened that was like a major epic fail. Like we want to share. We want to share in this journey with you. We want to go through this together. Yeah. And you know our uh, resolutions are coming up, so go ahead and share those poor life decisions. And um, we will definitely help each other come up with ways to do better and be better. And even if we're not better all the time, remember that you're having a hard time right now, and you accept yourself and you love yourself even in this hard time. Self-compassion. Self-compassion, kids. (laughs) Yes. Way to bring it back. (laughs) All righty. Goodbye, friends. See you next week. Bye. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh, I can't conceive of this.